You're listening to the Pinball Podcast. Hey, everybody. It's episode 112. Oh, you weren't talking to me. All right, never mind. Not yet. (laughs) Talking to the listener. Oh, hello. Welcome, listener. I didn't see you there. Oh, it's just one creepy person. You hardly ever see him until it's too late. Um, <laughs> it's Lee, isn't it? It's Lee. Oh, I knew it. All right, Lee. It's episode 112 of the Pinball Podcast. Um, we had a little bit of an extra long gap between shows, Jessica, and it's both of our fault. So um, we'll share blame in that. But I think if we had like tried to squeeze this in on a normal schedule, both of us would have probably just keeled over in the middle of the show and it wouldn't have gone well so you know who has no problem trying to squeeze things in nifty led nifty led their leds are always a perfect fit for (laughs) the lighting solution in your pinball machine and you know what jessica i didn't want to say anything like i i just you know it's it was kind of awkward but your attack from mars le and your medieval madness le they're looking pretty basic, but I've got a solution for you. You can go for to me Nifty and my LED machines. Excellent. Don't ruin the bit. You can go to niftyled.com and you can order replacement LEDs for your Medieval Madness remake or your Attack from Mars remake. Maybe you want cool white and it shipped with warm white. Well, you can go get those cool white LEDs. So. And to make things better, if you use the code Hollywood, you'll get a discount. Hollywood as in, um, you know, the city in California. Oh. Yeah. Well, all right then. Um, that's niftyled.com. They also have what? Um, they, ha- they have tools, um, ex- accessories. They've got pinball accessories. And they've got balls. They've got balls shiny pinballs so check them out nifty led nifty whatever <laughs> niftyled.com um cool so like how you been you know i've been i've been good been real busy can you see or are you like in clouds of smoke right now um, it was raining ash in Oregon, which, um, I have to say is terrifying yeah. to come home to. I was gone for several days and I came back home and it was, I mean, I know a lot of people have had to evacuate and it's just, it's a really terrible situation. Um, 38,000, I believe, acres on fire. Um, and I was talking to a friend of mine about like how many thousands of animals were caught in that and died. And it was super overwhelming to think of everything that's happening with that and that it was a bunch of punk kids. Yeah. Throwing fireworks. Fire um, one of the things that I read said that they were shooting them at an eagle's nest. So, you oh, know, even better, even better. Um, the thing that's been driving me really crazy is that there are people out there who are like, oh, well, everyone makes mistakes. They're just young kids. No, I'm sorry. Fuck them. Like, 
I have no, no patience or understanding for them being out there and doing shit like this and then seeing what's happened now. Like, it's one thing when there's a lot of natural disaster going on. I think Tommy and Taylor did a really good um, episode talking about some fundraising stuff for hurricanes that's happening right now. And that's natural destruction. Yeah. Yeah. This is a bunch of idiot fucking kids deciding that they're going to go light shit on fire. Yeah. Like we both live in areas that are susceptible to this and for them just to say, Oh, it's just kids. They made a mistake. Like, no, you were like taught about firework danger from like, it's like they're more worried about you starting a wildfire than hurting yourself when it comes to fireworks. Like fireworks 101 is just don't burn stuff down. And, um, yeah, we've got a huge wildfire going on right now. It's in our house. Um, it, it was not man-made they don't think but i can't even see the mountains and i live right next to them it sucks so similar situation but we don't have um at least someone's incompetence to point to so there's not so much anger it's just sad people have lost homes and kind of sucks but um nobody's been hurt so far just lost property and burning lungs yeah but for anybody out there um Let's let's just be a little smarter with fire. It, you know, this wasn't just a being dumb. They were like out there with malicious intent, and maybe they didn't harm the eagle, but uh, they probably killed a few hundred other ones. So good job, guys! You're yeah. awesome. It's just, it's just heartbreaking. I can't possibly imagine that all the people who are you know losing homes and <sighs> the fact that it all could have been prevented is the worst part. Um, yeah. Um, and like, did you read the witness accounts of the people who think that they saw the kids coming back? From, yeah. Oh, that just made my blood boil. Like they had, they were just casually walking away knowing they had started a fire. Like, man, just so senseless and annoying. Uh, right. Like NBD, what do you want us to do about it? Yeah. It was funny. So yeah. I think they're probably not laughing now that they've been caught, but well, that's not very much comfort because um, them not laughing doesn't put the leaves back on the trees. So, Well, right. And I don't really know, you know, in terms of lawfulness, I don't know what exactly they're going to be able to do to them. Plus they're kids. So they're, you know, they're minors. I don't know how much they're actually going to have to face for what they've done. So I have a friend who accidentally started a forest fire when he was camping. Um, and there, his family was going to be held financially responsible, except for that um, he was really lucky because when they, before they left their campsite, um, I can't remember if it was a forest service ranger or something, actually checked their fire and said it was fine. Like they buried it. Um, and that's no, no, it's gotta be out. But anyway, because he gave them a pass, they ended up not being held reliable, but otherwise they essentially go after the family because they're minors. So basically all those kids, their family are going to be held financially responsible, which means they will grow up in poverty. So yeah, it's a mess, but, um, pinball. Pinball. Hey, 
Yeah. How about that pinball? So hurricanes and fires, it's dialed in, right? But um, oh gosh, yeah. So you've been running around doing some pinball related some stuff, some non pinball related stuff. But let's talk about what have you been doing, Jessica? Okay. So um, since the last time we talked, what is it? Year year zero day one. Uh, no, we're calling it year one, day one. Year one, year one, day one. So since we spoke on uh, year one, what, day two, um, I got to spend some time with my friend Heather. We uh, have both been super busy, so it was nice to get dinner and catch up, and then we went to go play at my father's place. Um, and my father's place used to be known as my floaty place because the games played super floaty. <laughs> and then um, Quarter World took over the games, and my friend Drew... I remember when they took them over, he posted a picture. He had like some two by fours up under the back legs. And he's like, it's no longer my floaty place, which was rad. But then I went back and the two by fours were gone. So I don't know if people complained about it or what, but the games were back to being kind of floaty. So um, that was a bummer. And also there was no AC and we were melting. So we went over to Quarter World for a little while and played there, which was good. Um, and then... There was a Borg birthday, so Ian's birthday, we went and played pinball um, a few different nights. So on his birthday proper, actually is when I was with Heather, and then met up with him, and then he did his party at Quarter World, because they have that deal where if you get the annual membership for 100 bucks on your birthday or around your birthday, you can book it in with them and get a $100 bar tab covered. So... It comes out kind of zero sum if you're going to do a party and want it to be there. So we went there and played. Um, and then I laid kind of low because I was getting ready to go to PAX. Yay. Yay. Prime. Prime. 100%. PAX Prime. It's one of my favorite birthday-ish activities. Sometimes it's my birthday weekend. Sometimes it's the week after, which was the case with this one. And... Um, it was great. I help run the Double Fine booth at PAX every year. So if anyone out there goes to PAX, um, I guess we could have talked about this beforehand. But next year, go to the Double Fine booth because I'll be there. You did uh, mention it before. So if did they didn't I? come, they didn't even listen to you. And that's uh, rude. Bunch of jerks. Well, it's just Lee. Lee's the only one listening. So Lee did not show up. He didn't. I know he didn't. He was at Bear Lake. So oh. that's not what you said at all. That's, no, that's not. He was not paying attention. Um, yeah, PAX is amazing, but it's also incredibly exhausting for me because I'm working. So I set up the booth, I set up all the merch stuff and help get volunteers trained and ready and then essentially, um, sell stuff and talk to a hundred thousand nerds all weekend long. It's like my people is really good. Um, Plus, Double Fine is just, like, super amazing, and I have a ton of friends who work there and have previously worked there, so it's kind of a little, like, reunion time for us to all hang out together and um, went to a couple of the different PAX parties. I actually stayed this time um, at my friend Alan's up in Seattle. He was away for the holiday weekend, and I got to stay at his place, and he has a firepower, too, in his basement, so I had a few, like later than they should be nights um, of playing his firepower too. Although one of the nights I was doing really well, like uh, his GC has got a 
real nice sizable GC on that machine. And I was like halfway there when all of a sudden the biggest spider I have ever seen comes running out from like behind the pinball machine. And I swear he has it trained because I'm like, I'm doing really well. So I'm like on my way to the GC. Nope. Giant spider run for the hills. So uh, I'm pretty sure that's his pet spider. Uh, could be. I had a spider situation over the weekend, too. Did I may you? or may not bring it up during my what I've been doing. Ooh, okay. So if not, just know that it happened. If I do bring it up, the, the weight will be worth it, I'm sure. All right, cool. Um, yeah, so giant spider ran me off. And then um, let's see. Oh, yeah. So we have like our fan meetup party, the Double Fine party. We always do at the Hard Rock on Sunday night. And then the Indie Mega Booth party used to be on Saturday night. And then we would do that on Saturday and ours on Sunday. But now theirs is also on Sunday. So we go to theirs after hours or try to go to theirs. And it's at the Unicorn in Seattle, which my friend Nick actually um, is the GM there. So that was kind of funny to run into him there during PAX activities and um, I got downstairs and my friend Spaff and my friend Greg they're like Jessica you're here they're like come play this pinball machine we want to see how it works so they basically like asked me to do a demo like game demo <laughs> because you're at PAX and everyone has demos of their games so you can see what the game is like but they don't really play pinballs <laughs> they like weren't getting anything to happen um, so it was KISS the new Stern Kiss Machine, and um, so I played it and got Love Gun Multiball, and I got Demon Multiball, and they were just like, oh my gosh, and it was really adorable, because I wasn't having a great game, but for them, they were, like, super impressed. <laughs> so apparently what I need to do is just always play pinball with people who don't play pinball, and my oh, yeah. playing will be so much better. Um, yeah, that was really, really good. Um, and then I got back from PAX finally and just was super, super tired. It's a very long weekend. It's a lot of fun, but also very long. And then I had to drive back that night after the show cause I had to work in the morning. So I'm like, Oh, a little, still a little sleepy actually every day I have been sleepy. Um, but I have fizzy wine to perk me up tonight. No, that doesn't make sense. Um, uh, wine's a downer. This is lime habanero fizzy wine. It's really, really good. And this, I think the spice is kind of, it's going to make me a little punchy. Um, what else? What else? Oh, we had a Bells meeting last night, which was really fun. Um, had some new blood in the mix. And we kind of reintroduced um, the skills checklist because it's been a little while since I've made a big push for people to work on the skills checklists and definitely people are making good progress on it. I think it's a good way for people to come in kind of as new players and really work towards some of the, um, the basic flipper skills and things like that. Um, and then for players who've been growing and getting better when they're playing to kind of set their sights on some of the more challenging goals to accomplish off that list. And then I have these um, bells, like enamel badges, 
that I made. And the only way to get one is to get a hundred points on your skills checklist. So it's not anything that anyone can ever buy. It's nothing that a non-bell would be able to get. So it's really something that's significant and shows that you've put on a lot of work and, you know, that your skill is, is impressive. So I really enjoy doing that kind of stuff with them. So it was fun. And, and, and C-Bar, uh, Rose City Pinball posted um, in the afternoon leading up to Bells. They always post like, you know, new machine is in at C-Bar and it's nine ball. And I was just like, oh my God, oh my God, like so excited about it which actually is why, the reason why the rest of our show was going to go in a certain direction, but I won't get into that yet. But I was super, super stoked to see that Nine Ball was there. So I ran over after work before Bells started, and I start playing it, and second game in, I broke it. <laughs> I didn't break it. The game was broken. Like, the, the drop targets were down, and the five target kept, like, clicking. Like, it was trying to pop up or something it wasn't awarding points it was just making this clicking noise and the ball was stuck in that top scoop on the left side so fortunately uh, my friend jeremiah who owns c-bar he was there um and allowed me to trouble him and he got that fixed and ready to go before bells even started so that was awesome um and then they also put fishtails in so nine ball replaced eight ball which i think is hilarious and one better yeah, well, but then fishtails replaced dialed in. Ew. Which confuses the heck out of me. Um, the ramps cross. Um, I'm not. Uh, I'm not buying that one. I don't. I don't know. Like, f- like pull the fucking John Trudeau games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm serious. Like, no, yeah. This is the decision you're going to... Like, okay, this is a perfect time. You have games to swap in and get them the fuck out of there. Sorry, never, I'm going to curse tonight. Never never fish tells for me. I, oh, I just do not like that game. Many people do, and I'm okay with that, but I do not enjoy it. It was weird. So when they when they put that post up, a bunch of people are like, because you could see the fishtails in like the side of the nine ball picture. And I was like, all oh, the hard eyes, nine ball. Oh my gosh, swoon, swoon, swoon. And then a bunch of people are like, and is that fishtails? Cool. You guys have a fishtails? I'm like, nine ball. Like, <laughs> Come on. Get your nine ball on. More people were excited about the fishtails being in the picture than the nine ball, which made me sad. But then again, I get to play it all the times. So that's good. Oh, and then my friend uh, Josh commented that he was just excited about the frontier that was on the other side of the picture. So That was me, actually. <laughs> you did that, too. You guys both Cricket did sounds. it. Yeah, the two of you did. Um, frontier has been there, and Frontier is great. Their Frontier you know has set up super actually, challenging. Frontier actually makes me really mad. I hate that... The... <laughs> I hate that the bonus, the way the bonus works in that game, how each ball it keeps like carrying forward. Mm. So if you if you get a house ball on ball one, it's almost impossible to win. And I I hate that about it. You can't catch someone on ball three if you got a really bad ball one and not a great ball two. So. Well, except for the fact that there's a good chance that the other person got a bad ball one. That's true. Bad ball two. <laughs> but. 
the 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 worst part about it is if they f- just flailed around on ball one and had a decent ball one and you get a house ball, you're probably not going to catch them just because their bonus is going to constantly screw you over. But anyway, okay. It, okay. Yeah. So, yes. So those were things. Those things happened. Um, what else? Oh, after Bells, um, I went over to my friend Eric's house to look at his Flight 2000 that I have kind of had on my... Um, want to want to purchase list um well i have had it not kind of i have had it um and went over to take a look at that but that also kind of plays into the way the conversation is going to go tonight so i'm just going to kind of wait to talk about that stuff too what have you been up to well um i just got back from another camping trip with the family but um some pinball stuff has happened besides um just playing around with stuff did the dial didn't show up it hadn't showed up yet had it it had not shown up yet okay so dialed in made it here in time Um, for your tournament it did um which was very fun the uh the event went over really well uh we had like close to 30 here which isn't which is isn't a small number to put into my basement um but man that tournament was fun and frustrating i was like we, we play uh pinberg scoring and plus with the matchup so you're always playing against people who are performing the same as you and i was in the top two the entire night and then kind of separated myself towards the very end and then going into the last match, there's only one thing that couldn't happen. I couldn't finish fourth, and one other guy in the group couldn't finish first. If, if that happened, then I would take second. But if I finished third or better, or he finished second or worse, no matter what else happened, then I won. So, of course, of hmm. course, I took fourth, he took first. Of course. On Twilight Zone, my professed favorite game. Um, boy, it did me dirty on that one, but... Uh, yeah, so no one else could come through and, and take it from him. But as I was saying afterwards, uh, he had to like make this huge point gap up in, on his ball three to take first. And, uh, if you're going to lose a tournament, you want to get beat, right? So the fact that he made like this huge rally on his ball three to claim it, it just felt right. So I was happy taking second, um, competition was tough so but i always finish second that always happens um but dialed in uh performed beautifully and that was a lot of fun i haven't had any issues with mine it's been perfect i got the full cliffy set on there and um man the game's a lot of fun i wrote a review uh on it um it's on gamer theory i won't put a review up until i've played at least a couple hundred games on something so I got there quick with this one because the game's great. <laughs> um, I forgot so, to mention on the dialed-in front yes. um, that I was at Flip Flip Ding Ding and uh, my friend Travis was playing and he has the best selfies in selfie mode. It's amazing. Like several of them look like he plays with his eyes closed because most of the time he's taking pictures, his eyes are closed. But then he had this one that looks like 
the picture that they show like on the TV when the neighbors are like, he always seems like a really nice. <laughs> yeah. Like looking Kept like straight on into the camera with like a little like half smirk. It's so good. 100% my favorite selfie mode photo um, from anyone. And once again, selfie mode is like my least favorite thing in I, one of my favorite games. It's, it's funny because um, I don't get it to come up that often, but um, I don't mind when it does. But I think it would be funny if they um, altered a little bit to where they applied a bunch of the goofy filters to it. So it has all those like messy, like uh, Instagram or Snapchat filters, or if they tied it to like, uh, I don't know, like mug, like changed it. So it was like made it look like mug shots or something like that. I don't know, but they could do, it's fine. It's, I, it's fun. My kids obviously love it. Um, they get a real kick out of it when that comes up and, uh, visitors tend to like it a lot too. So that's one of those things that seems to be a little bit more for the location. Um, and it's apparently a hit, but yeah, I've had a lot of fun with the game. Uh, very good. It's not perfect, but, um, it's very, very fun. Um, okay. So other than getting dialed in and and the event that went really well, we, here have you know Dialden's actually actually is not the newest game I've picked up. I had another game what? pick up. Yes, and I sat on this one um, so you could find out about it right now. Um, it's not my holy grail game. It's everybody's grail game, Uh-oh. and you get I, I'd say three guesses, but you'll never guess what it is. So I'm going to give you one guess just for funsies. Stargazer. <sighs> Of course, I'd want it to be a Stargazer, but it's totally not. Um, no. Oh, I want a Stargazer so badly. Um, it's Heavy Metal Meltdown. So I have Heavy Metal Meltdown now. Uh, oh, my gosh. And I didn't just buy this game. I bought it with some serious intent. It has a spare play field. I already ordered and received a set of reproduction ramps. And this is going to be the nicest heavy metal meltdown I've ever seen by the time I'm done with it. So it's not the most common game to sink a lot of money into, but sure, why not? You know, why not? So, yeah, that's awesome. That's a thing. Um, I'm trying to think. I think that's it um, as far as what I've been doing in pinball. But I'm actually, you, legitimately, I'm excited about this heavy metal meltdown. Uh, did you have it in time for your tournament? No. I, I, it's, it is a project machine as is. It's one of those situations where the guy listed it and said, it was working when I bought it. We moved and it hasn't worked since. I went and picked it up. And they were getting ready to move out. Their place was just trashed like you can't believe. Um, There was just stuff everywhere because they're leaving. And they were like a day or two away from leaving. Um, So I I picked it up and he had an extra play field, which made it really attractive um, to go and get. But uh, I think it'll work fine. He, He essentially just didn't know how to reconnect all the boards and stuff and i will see if there's anything actually wrong maybe it just needs to be 
hooked back up correctly. Um, he was saying that a lot of the connectors were keyed the same. So that makes me worried that someone like took keys out. So I'm gonna have to be careful that I don't blow something. Hopefully he hasn't already done that, but it should be, it should be a fun project. Yeah. Excellent. I know. And like, I've already had tons of people saying that they want it when I'm done with it. Um, that game has a very, a quietly large fan base, I guess. So, mm. I don't Interesting. Know. You don't I think I've only often. played it. I played it at Pinburg last year. Yeah, and it was there again this year. And um, yeah, but like, so you, you hardly ever see the game. So it's nice to have something unique in the area. It should be fun for League once I get it all uh, done up. So excellent. And I think. That's all I've done. Um, I played the Avengers on location, but we do not need to talk about that <laughs> at all. So. True story. Um, I played a little bit of flip flip, like I mentioned with Travis, but um, in somewhat sad news, um, somewhat not sad news because it's exciting for um, for her. Um, my Bulu, Katie, she is, um, no longer going to be working at Flip Flip. So I was there for her last tournament. I swung by after, um, PAX one night. And then I also went by on her official last day on Saturday to spend some time with her there too. So, um, it was kind of bittersweet. So she's taking like a real job, grown up job, daytime job, taking a daytime Mm. job. (laughs) Um, and my friend Travis is actually taking her spot there. So still really rad people, um, you know, in charge over at flip flip. Plus now Katie and I get to hang out like on weekends and like, like adults do like adults do, I guess. I don't know. I'm in Portland. I have no real sense of what adults do anymore. It's true. Yeah. Um, most don't don't um, hang around in pinball parlors because they just don't exist outside of Portland and a few select cities in this country. But I am jealous of your way of being an adult. (laughs) Well, don't be jealous of my way because I wake up real, real early. That's true. But pinball. So, and that's what we're here for. Okay, let's talk about the pinball. The thing that we we came to discuss. Right, that thing. You may be wondering why I've brought you here today. It's to talk about pinball. It's to be real creepy. (laughs) Mission accomplished. Speaking of real creepy, no, we don't need to talk about that story. Jesus. Can Can we just real quickly say, like, some shit's gone down. Yeah, it's just... I don't know if I have it in me to go over it all, but, um, yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of shit. It's, um, I, I will simply say I am not a fan of, of, uh, the people who are already trying to defend someone who's been arrested for kitty porn. I don't care what industry they're in. I don't care if they've made your favorite fucking game in the world. Like, seriously, fuck that guy. I can't. I can't. 
deal with it. And everyone is just like, well, maybe he was, he was set up or he was, and I'm just like, I can't read any more of these comments. I can't put myself in this position to have to like see that people actually think that that's a reasonable response as opposed to just disgust and shock and anger. You don't have to hate the guy, but in no way should you be looking to excuse anything that he did. It You need 100% full condemnation on all of that. Because I think the real problem is people don't understand how harmful it is. Because if they understood what is actually happening, um, it's there's no other way than just pure revulsion. Like, you can't... I don't. I can't even humanize the people who create and distribute that stuff and it's just if anything's gonna bum me out it's it's uh crimes involving children and this is the absolute worst thing you can do to a child um yeah so for those that don't know what we're talking about yes john trudeau pinball game designer was arrested for possession of child pornography he was part of a larger investigation that he was that he was swept up in so here's the thing everybody uh there's a lot of people that are are running around online saying innocent until proven guilty um no first it's that that's something that uh the public doesn't have to be held to that the legal system has to be held to that but um they don't generally make mistakes with child pornography possession arrests uh they don't go after the one time or even a few time offender. If you get on the police's radar, it's because you were connected to something much larger and you're a part of that, or you've been sending up red flags to your ISP long enough that they contacted um, police, or you tried to go and get it and it was a police sting operation. They just don't, go and get someone who accidentally had an image cached in their browser. It does It does not work that way. There's too many people. It's too big of a problem. They don't chase after the little guy, the one-time offender. They have to prioritize their resources towards people who are a really big problem. I mean, it's all a problem. But if you get on their radar and they come and make an arrest, or they co- actually come search your house and then choose to arrest, mm-hmm. it's pretty hard to assume anything other than the person is is guilty um well that's the thing too it's like they searched the home and then based on the evidence that they found in the home he was arrested so it's not like they heard a rumor and brought him in no they executed a search warrant which they got with probable cause found what they were looking for and then arrested him so i i can't i just it just, it makes me really angry. And there are a lot of people who are like, oh, it's bad. It's a bad day for a pinball. And I'm like, no, it's a bad day for humans. <laughs> right. Like, let's remove this. The universe does not revolve around pinball as much as sometimes it seems like we spend all of our time talking about. But there's a bigger fucking picture here. And I mean, pedophilia is a problem. Sex trafficking is a problem. All of these things are fucking enormous problems. And the fact that there are people out there who are willing to defend someone who has been arrested for these charges, not just accused, evidence and arrested, makes me sick. So, in in, in this situation, uh, rushing to defend, even like 
the possibility that oh maybe it's not so bad like the other thing is people putting out scenarios like well maybe he just looked at a picture of a girl who was 17 but claimed she was 18 it's like stop just stop with the mental gymnastics oh my god i saw that shit it's like stop just oh we can't have this um let's oh we got we got to get rid of this out of society and um giving people uh, explanations that may not even, you know, that probably not even valid to, to give them a pass and trying to bury it. I mean, I, I, again, like Steve Ritchie's post on Facebook, which got pulled pretty quickly again, or did you see that? No. What did it say? Oh no. Oh no. Um, what did it say? He said, if we stop talking about it, we can bury this and it could go away. <laughs> Basically. Cool. That's great. And so, uh, the problem isn't that our people are talking about it. It's that the problem is that he possessed child pornography. That's the problem. Okay, so. but also, let's go back and look at the guy who was like, oh, well, maybe she was just... Because what the fuck do you think's on his Six- computer? <laughs> and 69-year-old right? guy, I I mean, 17 or 18, it's still inappropriate. So. Well, okay, but... Uh- Yes, I 100%, I understand that a lot of people who have those proclivities were potentially abused when they were younger or had some kind of event that causes something like that to stick in their head. Um, You know, like there's a lot of trauma that occurs potentially in childhood that could lead to you being kind of stuck in that time in different ways. I understand the psychology of it, so no one has to send me articles about it. I get it. We're real good. But this is someone who has designed games that have gone into arcades where games are aimed at children. Like, you're working in an industry where you are making something that is being marketed to kids in arcades with quarters. And it's just like, I don't... I don't want to think about how long this has possibly, you know, been going on. I don't... All of the all of the possibilities here, but this is way way worse. Like when I when I say that I'm pissed off about the guys who sit there and do nothing when a guy makes inappropriate comments to a woman during a tournament or out playing at a bar or whatever the case may be, and everyone sits there and zips their fucking lips because they don't want to be the one to have the uncomfortable confrontation with the guy who's completely out of line. Or the guys come back and they're just like, oh, we didn't mean anything about it. He's making a joke. It's not that bad. Man, woman, whoever, like, just sits there and lets this happen. Now we're jumping levels to defend someone (laughs) who possesses child pornography. Like, there's no question here. And then for people to still try and come up with, oh, no, not one of our guys. Like, he's a pinball guy. He's been, you know... I love his games. He's been in this industry for so long. He's one of my favorite designers. And I was like, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care about any of that shit. Let's strip it away. He's a human being. And he's... He's acting like a monster. (laughs) Yeah. Not acting like... He is a monster. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And that's the thing, too, is like, I... When I first saw it, it made me incredibly sad. But I got extremely angry at the same time because of what it is. But, yeah, like... So quickly, it didn't matter to me that he, I mean, he legitimately is one of my favorite pinball designers. Um, I have met him and he was super nice, but that doesn't matter. So that's all I really have to say about 
like what he's been to you in the past doesn't matter because you clearly didn't know the man if you didn't know that was going on. So don't base it off of what you felt for him in the past or what you thought that you had the wool pulled over your eyes as, as the rest of us did too. There are some people out there who have whispered and said that they'd known things or things in the past. And so um, this isn't the first time that, anything's come up around him this is just the first time it's legally been brought up around him so um anyway yeah i don't know if you you see something say something right like the fact that people just like zip their lips i can't i can't handle it it's very upsetting and the fact that people are more worried about confronting someone or you know potentially damaging someone's reputation there are way bigger (laughs) factors and way more damaging things that come as a result of all of this and the community being complicit in it in any way like the people who who sit by and they're just like nope or who don't condemn him over over this it's really fucking hard to look at i it hurts (sighs) um yeah yeah it just hurts. And that's that's the way to put it. It doesn't hurt because it hurts pinball. It's it's honestly going to have zero noticeable impact on pinball. It, it, it hurts because it's just so disgusting and demoralizing. Um, there's an episode of Sword, of Scale, Sword and Scale. I don't know if you ever listened to that podcast, but it's a true crime podcast, usually centered around murder. But they do an episode on the dark web, and they get into this guy who was essentially um, a producer of not just child porn, but also child abuse videos. It's disgusting beyond all compare, but essentially people would pay him to request things and he would do that to children. Um, And they'd pay. It was pay-per-view for just these most depraved acts. If you have, if, if this stuff doesn't disgust you, Go listen to that episode. It's it's a fairly recent one. Sword and Scale. It's it talks about the dark web. It's uh, it's easy to find if you're looking for it. And if you can listen to that and still have any sympathy for John's situation, uh, I heaven help you because you are psychopathic. Um, the descriptions of the things that are done. It's just that's what he was delving into. And so yes. Go do your research before you um, say that this might not be so bad. Okay, wait. So then, um, I know this was a while ago, but it just reminded me. Do you remember there was like a really shitty band? Oh, they were like new metal or something. And the singer, um, he was Welsh singer of the band had like all these people who were mega fans of his and um you know when you're like a huge fan of a band and you like right i don't know there's always groupies right so he was um a pedophile and a convicted sex offender and he um befriended this woman who was like a huge fan of his and he would like Skype her or some other kind of like video conference call and had her uh, abuse her kid on camera for him. Oh. I'm just like, what 
the fuck? Like, what the fuck? And you have people who are still, like, massive fans of, of this person. You have this the woman who was, like, such a fan that she was totally blind to the fact of, like, what the fuck she was doing to her kid. And I'm like, okay, like, we've lost some humanity here. Like, <sighs> it is fucked up. But, like, when people get fanatical about, you know, people that they idolize in music or pinball or wherever the fuck it is, I just, like, you get all of this shit. It's, um, I don't know. And then, the you know, so when you said that there were people who had like had, there was things that people suspected or there were signs or whatever. Um, I was just thinking back to when I was reading the whole disgusting story about this guy because his ex-girlfriend in the story I was reading had contacted police and told them about like some of his proclivities and she was like, I think that he's doing kind of more than just talking about this stuff. And she had, maybe she found like a picture or something, but she was like, she went to them like super concerned and they ignored her. And this was like a year or two before, um, this before it escalated. incident happened. And literally this woman's kid was a baby, like infant. It was Uh-oh. fucking deplorable. So it's like, cool. Okay. Say something and believe people when they're telling you something like this, because it's better to know and potentially stop the shit from happening than to just let it run free because we don't want to think that it's a real thing. Man. Ugh. Remember okay. how we weren't going to talk about that? <laughs> but we talked to, you know, though, yeah. And we don't have to until obviously more news comes out, but um, yeah, it's just, He's out on bail. He's awaiting his trial or whatever comes next. I don't know. Um, um, do we want to talk about something more cheerful? Um, like, I, 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 yeah. Before we get to Steve Kirk, though. Yeah. No. Oh, no. I wasn't going. I wasn't going there yet. That's the most cheerful of the things. This was me being sarcastic. Oh, let's have it. Sarcasm. <laughs> Maybe. Um, well, well, go ahead. Wait. This is the this is the mouthwash to that load of crap. Um, I, it's hard to transition from such a terrible thing to such an awesome thing. But if you guys, I know we've mentioned on the show in the past, but uh, if you've not seen Nick Baldridge's multi bingo project, um, it's true mad science in the world of pinball gaming. He's We're sorry, gone. Nicholas. He's <laughs> you gone get and created in after this. <laughs> He's gone and created um, a true multi-bingo where you can select... Jeez. Uh, I, I, I've got the details pulled up, but I will miss them. So I'm actually going to refer you to Nick's site uh, or his Facebook page. Um, just because, seriously, uh, it's, it's ridiculous what he's created. But go to the For Amusement Only EM and Bingo Pinball Podcast. It's a mouthful. For Amusement Only em and bingo pinball podcast and um he posts about it regularly there and you can see this multi bingo he's got videos up where he's got all these different bingo games that are playable in a single machine um it's awesome he's programmed it himself he's designed himself ryan clater has helped him with it um go take a look at it check it out the coolest thing is he's taking it around to shows now and he's had it out before it's going to be coming 
supposedly to Denver next year for Pinball Showdown. And I'm super excited for two reasons. One, I finally get to see this thing in person. Um, but that means Nick will be there. So um, I had a chance to meet Nick in person for the first time at our 100th episode. And he, he came out for that. Um, he's been on the show before, but check it out. Uh, again, just go to his Facebook page for Amusement Only EM and Bingo bingo pinball podcast and you can also see where he's taking it around so if it's coming near you go see it it's again it's it's just mad science nick is a crazy person um in all the best ways not crazy in any of the negative ways like we were just talking about before so yeah awesome i uh hope i get a chance to see it one of these days well, you're coming to Denver next year, so that'll work. <laughs> you laugh like you're not. That's funny. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what else I've been doing what, in pinball? What, what, what have you been doing? I signed up for the IFPA Heads Up event that's in, at the end of October down in Las Vegas. Go get stomped head-to-head against the pinball greats. So. Excellent. I mean... I'm going to take down Trent Augenstein. So I hadn't even, I didn't even know that was a thing until I like started yeah, listening. Out. I know I have, I've been so bad. I, I just responded to a post on our page from like a, two months ago today, <laughs> but you did it, but I did it. I posted an angry dinosaur, like cute, but angry dinosaur. Anyway, it was it was well worth the wait to whoever posted that, I'm sure. I don't remember. Eric? It was Eric. Okay. Good job, see? Yay! <laughs> also, I saw Twinkie's ice cream today, and that kind of grossed me out. So. Oh, what? Yeah, Twinkie's ice cream. It's a thing. Why? All right. Um, did we, were we going to talk about some other stuff? I don't know. I feel like I've been negative enough today. I feel like we need to talk about good things and not not No, uh, it's it, I don't know. I don't know. Well, it's kind of like bleeding um uh, when, you know, bleeding was was in a, a way that they used to cure things. This is us kind of just bleeding that negativity out. So we're the leeches of the pinball blood. Um, no, cause we're not sucking the blood in. We're letting the blood out. We're blood letters. Mm, all right. All um, right. That's fair. Which is also appropriate. Cause over the weekend I bled a lot. Um, <laughs> is this related to the spider? It's actually the same day. Uh-oh. Um, I was a, in a very high remote mountain lake, crystal clear water with very slippery mud on the rocks. And um, from my knees down, it just looks like someone went like, it looks like a Wolverine just went nuts on me. Uh, I, I'm not talking like scrapes. I'm talking like full on deep cuts. It looks, it looks gross. I'll send you pictures later. Excellent. The bottom of my toes probably should be stitched, but it's a little late I'll for that. save them next to, uh, Taylor's rash photos that he sent me. Yeah. Start a whole album. Yeah. Oh, uh, Ham Hands Taylor. <laughs> so. Man, I can't wait to see that in cartoon form. Uh, go to their Facebook page right now. Oh, wait. Did someone already do it? Man, everyone's faster than I am. I like it. 
<laughs> yeah. So good. All it's right. uh, this flipping podcaster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fill some dead air. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's um, it's about time we we were two yeah. uh, two on the ball, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Wait. Where is? Oh, was it someone posted it, but it's not their post? Involved? Just go look. Just go look. Uh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay. So I have to look at visitor posts. That's right. Oh, my God. You did it. That's awesome. Nice job. There you go. I spent four minutes of my day. <sighs> four minutes well spent. They were spent, so. <laughs> anyway. all you can say about that. Excellent. I guess uh, so. So we were going to talk about pinball, right? We were totally going to talk about pinball at some point and not about ham and not about pedophiles. And what else weren't we going to talk about? Um, I don't know. Okay, good. Well, that's better, because then we won't talk Wildfires about it. Wildfires and hurricanes. Oh, too late. We already talked about that. Okay, so yeah, we are nearing the hour mark, so we, let's let's get to some pinball. Oh my gosh, let's get to pinball. Um, don't, don't, let's not get started there. I thought we were trying to keep it, keep it on a light note. Um, I will say that I am um, proud of... My Bells, who made it to the finals at Northwest Pinball Champs. Um, we had uh, Nicole Hyatt up in Seattle was in it, and she's rad. I love her. And then um, Meg and Melissa and Zoe made it in. So the three of the top four were Portland gals um, for the women's portion. There was a lot of shit that went down with that. Um, that was incredibly unfortunate but I um, kind of stepped back from that and let them be the ones to communicate their frustrations and didn't throw my voice into the ring. And from what I understand, um, Jermaine's been very receptive and I super appreciate that about him. And I didn't expect anything less from him since um, he and I did work together on, you know, having some passes uh, given out as prizes to Bells. So he definitely has been working to, um, increase participation from women in that tournament. And I, um, I'm happy to have that. And I think a lot of feedback was given and I, I think that it's already starting to influence other events. Um, kind of the main thing from the start without getting into specifics about the stuff that happened later on, um, is something that we see at other events also where the women's finals take place at the same time as another part of the tournament. The main so, finals. The yes. main tournament, right? Yep. So in this case, um, the women's finals were happening at the same time as classics. So if a woman were to qualify for finals in both women's and classics, she would have to choose which one she wanted to play, which is not a thing that should have to happen, first of all. Second of all, um, it makes a really poor 
well, I'm not going to say assumption, but it looks like the people who are running it are assuming that women are not going to make it into the finals of the other divisions. So, um, or that they don't have any interest in competing with the other people in the main. Yeah, whatever the case may be. There's an odd, in, an odd implication there. It is. Um, and I heard from someone that um, for, I think it's Denver, that they are making a change so that that does not happen there. I may have the location wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure she said Denver. So anyway, I think it's a good, um, you know, learning experience in a lot of ways. There were a lot of things that could have been handled better at the time. Um, but hopefully moving forward, we definitely will have people who are um, taking female competitors more seriously and not kind of making like the women's tournaments at large events, almost like a side thing or like a, you know, kind of brushing it off. So, yeah. So here's my thing on this. So we don't even have to get into all the specifics, but let there's been a good dialogue that's come out of this. Let this be kind of the bottoming out moment. Let's just go up from here. Um, let's get better and just get a little better about thinking, not just, um, how logistics work, but how people are going to feel at your event. Like, is it going to be welcoming across the board? Um, are there any things that even could cause perceptions to, um, you know, could, could things be perceived different than they're intended? If so, like, make sure things are as intended. Um, that way, if there is an issue, um, the intent doesn't need to be brought into question. And it's so much easier to address things in the moment rather than have to go back and explain intent later when it's too late, when people's day has already been, have already been ruined or people have been offended or felt bad. Um, so I think from everybody who is involved, they've come out of it again with a good dialogue. And a lot of people have already started kind of future proofing some stuff to, um, fix these issues. But yeah, like there's a, some posts on tilt forums that are fantastic that explain a lot of ways in which people have felt unwelcome at events or they have felt, uh, trivialized. And, um, a lot of it wasn't by intent, but, um, a lack of understanding basically uh, what people deal with in this hobby when they're coming from different backgrounds than, than yourself. So it, it's a good time to get educated. Um, don't use that as a way to point the finger anymore and say this person did something dumb. Um, cause the people that were most affected are, have totally chosen to take the high road and say, okay, this happened. We're, we're unhappy. Here's why, here's how to get better. And let's just all learn from that. And I think it, it can get better and it should get better from here. It better get better. Right. <laughs> like we, it's clearly been defined what went wrong and how not to repeat it. So I think that could also be the slogan for our podcast tonight. It, it better, better get better. better. Oh, boy. <laughs> Let this be our bottom out. <laughs> this is the bottom out of the podcast. Um, and of the episode. So let's get, let's get better. All right. We're getting better. Uh, hey, Jeff. Yes. I really want to talk about um, good things, like one of my all-time favorite pinball designers. Um, is that George Gomez? No, sorry, George. Okay. 
Okay, I got one more guess. Steve Kirk? Uh, yeah. Excellent. Second time's a charm. Um, yeah. The first Steve Kirk or the second Steve Kirk? Oh, gosh. Okay, well, I just found out today from you that apparently there's another Steve Kirk. And uh, I just found out today that there was a second Steve Kirk. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I, of course, am referring, if anyone has listened before, you know, my undying affection for the Steve Kirk, who is the creator of such classic um, drive-me-crazy-but-drive-me-to-play-them-more-and-more-and-more games, um, Stars and Meteor. And like I alluded to earlier, Nine Ball is now at C-Bar, and Nine Ball will eventually, one day, I will have my own Nine Ball, and the machines will sit nicely together and um, be reunited. But, uh, yeah, Steve Kirk, I super adore him. I love his games. Um, and for me, it kind of started when I was going to Pinball Outreach Project when I first started getting into playing, um, well, like two and a half years ago. I would go to Pop and I would like just play the heck out of stars. And um, Greg, when he was volunteering there um, most most days, would say to me, are you here to play Super League or are you just going to play stars for two hours? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was my answer. Yes. Um, because maybe I'd play Super League, but 100% I am going to sit here and play stars for two hours. Um, so I would basically like play, pay for unlimited play at pops, like $10. And I would just play stars. And it's one of, it's one of the first games for me that I developed that addiction to in terms of a game with like a simple set of goals that are difficult to accomplish reliably. So when you do accomplish things in the game, it's so satisfying. Like the first time that I got the special off the stars, it was like, oh my God, I need that again. Like, you know, like better than drugs. Just like, yes, I need the fix of getting that shot again because it's so difficult to do. And then to keep doing it is, is super, super challenging. Um, very much fell in love with it and then um meteor i would play down at blair alley in eugene here in oregon which is an absolutely outstanding place to play pinball um and i'm long overdue for a trip down there but um i remember the first day that i was playing meteor there one of the guys who worked there were like walked over at one point and he was like i could hear you doing really well because the sounds from the game they build up in this way that's like it creates this energy and this excitement and this sense of like anticipation. Yeah, something's about to go off. It feels like um, it's almost like pressure, like not yes. not pressure about um, like I'm not about the stress, but um, like you're shaking a bottle of soda, right? Like mm -hmm. you can feel that building pressure. And I was going to call it pinball edging, but yes, let's go with the soda metaphor. That's way better. Um, it's just like, you know that something's coming. And then if it doesn't, like if you fail, it's such a letdown. Like the like losing that and having it just kind of like go silent on you. You're just like, no, no, wait, I need to, I need to do the thing now. And yeah, it, you're compelled to go back to it and do it over and over again until you get better and until you can actually make these things happen 
And it doesn't matter how many times I get the special off the stars in stars, every single time like makes me giddy. It's so incredibly satisfying to do. So yeah, a thing about um, that, what you said is it drives you to go right back to it. It totally does where it's like, can it go a little bit higher? What will happen if I do a little bit better, just a little bit better. And um, where you said this person walked over said that they heard you were doing well. Uh, That's one thing I love about playing meteor with other people that even if you're not watching it, uh, you can kind of just tell what's going on to some degree. You're like, dang it. Um, and when they're doing really well, I, it's awesome. It, it's, a, it's a bit of an experience. But um, My big one uh, with his is actually in the controversy or the legend or the hearsay of his life. So we can get into that in a minute. But um, Steve Kirk, and like he basically showed the world that you know stern electronics was was a force like they they needed to be watched and um his designs have held up so well that they're they're getting like a real strong resurgence like right now the classic sterns and the classic ballets are showing such a an uptick in in interest but it seems to be that his more than than most so i, I don't know what's causing the timing of that right now but it's it's cool to see people discovering it and say, seeing how cool um, those designs actually are and, and getting new appreciation for them definitely um, and I have nine balls on my list of games that I that I want to get obviously um, but just I I've had this desire to know more about Steve Kirk when I um, when I found out that he was um, no longer among the living, I was kind of bummed. And I've had a few moments, you know, in my life where I'm like, I wish that I was born sooner, like into this thing sooner or whatever the case may be, like where I could have had a chance to let people know how meaningful and impactful like their work and stuff is to me. But Steve Kirk's games totally changed me like as a pinball player in that I mean primarily when I first got into it um my friend Matt he had all DMD titles so I wasn't super familiar with solid state games and um he really shaped my love of like early stern electronics games I I just I'm drawn to them and I feel like he deserves a lot of the credit for that and his games I find compelling in ways that it's difficult to properly express. And his designs are just, like I said, simple, but really compelling. Like I want, all I wanted to do last night was play nine ball. And then when I got home, all I wanted to do was play stars and to have a game that's that repeatable for me. um, And for him to consistently be the one where anytime I play one of his games, I just, I love it. Like it's brutal and it kills me, but like I keep going back to it again and again and again, and I always will. Um, And it's, it's that, that drive to, you know, to do well. I think that he builds that, um, he 
he builds that really well. So it's just like, okay, well, I can do this, but then I can, you know, go over here and do this a little bit better. And then that's going to build. And it's for me who doesn't un understand, well, I'm not going to say understand. I don't get that deep into like the new rule sets on games. So like, right. you know, Star Wars, I, I just, it's beyond what I want to be thinking about or like what I'm going to allow my brain to take in while I'm playing pinball. Like, it's just not why I play. Just want to um, make some shots. And... Right. I want, you know, I want to do well and I want to be able to build, but I don't have a mathematical brain where I can tell, okay, if I do this, I'm going to get this multiplier. And then if I do this shot, but bring this into it, it's just not how I process. Um, and I just... I enjoy playing, like just going in and playing and not needing to know all of those crazy things to have a good game. And I also want to feel a sense of satisfaction if I have a terrible game and if I have a good game, which I don't get on a game like that where it's just like, oh, and it's kind of over and I didn't really do a lot and I don't know why this happened. I know why everything happens when I'm playing a Steve Kirk game. And I know what I should have done when I'm playing a Steve Kirk game. But I also know that even if I didn't do well, I really enjoyed myself. So um, that's that's saying a lot for me. But so I just I wanted to know more about him because there's not a lot of information out there. So I kind of put the call out on um, on our Facebook page and we had some responses. So thank everybody to... Uh, went ahead and contributed to that i'm gonna pull that up now because yeah I, yeah well while you do that um mm -hmm. I, I had a few people that sent some stuff in as well just through private messaging um so one of my favorite pinball people uh pinball molly she said that he is her favorite designer and we'll Smart get into lady. this yeah we'll get into this because um as we've like looked into his history, um, there's a lot of information that is validated and then there's a lot of unvalidated information floating around out there. So it is a little bit hard sometimes to separate the um, legend, I guess, from from the facts. But uh, one of the things that, that Molly mentioned is that there's two Steve Kirks in pinball. So sometimes there's uh, a little bit of confusion about who should be getting the attribution. So that throws off some of the things out there. Um, but that, you know, the, the designs that he's credited for, um, IPDB has done a good job of verifying some of those things. But I mean, if you compare his games on Pinside to his games on IPDB, there is a discrepancy in the number of games and in the ways that he's attributed. Um, before you get into our Facebook stuff, I'm just going to throw out one example and then we'll talk more about him. But Surf and Safari, uh, Pinside says that he was on the sound design. But IPDB mentions that he actually had input on playfield elements. So it's kind of interesting. Um, I'm hoping that as we talk about him, that people who know more about him or have or know people who actually may have known him can come forward and kind of clarify some things or give us some cool insights. But uh, let's jump into what we did get. So, Okay, perfect. Um, so Don, not our Don, another Don, said uh, that Steve's an underrated designer who deserves some respect. Decent retrospective is much appreciated. I uh, 
hope that this is a lead in to a decent retrospective. Um, definitely. I think that it's been finding little bits and pieces and trying to piece them together. So, um, then Ryan Grant, he said, um, he wanted to bring up the Steve Kirk, Harry Williams flight 2000 debacle. Um, and then sent a link from pinball ninja, which is talking about the pinstar game, um, Gamatron, mm-hmm. which I first heard about from James Eads when we were at Pinburg. Um, he and I were playing that, um, weird science, strange science game. Why may not be? Why can't I remember things? We were, we were playing that. We were talking about, um, Steve Kirk because James actually sold me a better play field for my stars than the one that I have in mind currently. Um, because eventually my goal is to fully, um, refurbish and clean up and make my stars like the prettiest stars that ever did star. (laughs) So, um, I got that from him and we were talking about Steve Kirk because he comes up in conversation for me often with pinballs. So I um, remember that we had talked about it previously, but Gamatron from what I know um, is kind of a conversion kit or like um, it's a narrow version of flight 2000. Is that accurate? Standard Um, body? Or is Flight 2000 a wide-bodied version of Gamatron? Because there's stories floating around that Gamatron was designed first, mm-hmm. but that Stern Electronics took that design, turned it into a wide body, and credited it to Harry Williams. Um, I would love, I would love to know why it was turned into a wide body if it, if that was done so that it could be considered a different design and credited to someone else um or if that's actually how it went down but uh yeah apparently um the game plays better as an i've never played a gamatron but from what i hear it it plays a bit better and i i really like flight 2000 that was the game that um you were mentioning that like meteor really hooked you um, flight 2000 did that for me and it was the challenge of getting that multi-ball. One of the hardest straightforward goals in pinball is getting that multi-ball. And, um, the, just the pursuit of that fascinated me. Um, I have to play a Gamatron at some point now, um, to see if it, if increases what I already feel is a fantastic game in flight 2000, but So the first time I ever played Flight 2000 was at my friend Sean's house um, in the Bay and fell in love with it. And I like got to multiball or almost got to multiball on my first game. And he was like, holy crap, that's really hard to get to. But I was just, you know, like when you step up to a game for the first time and you were just like, this is the most fun thing to play. And like, I just want to keep the ball alive and do more things because this is so great. That was 100% what I was feeling when I was playing that game. Um, but like now hearing all this stuff. So like like 2000, I actually, you know, went to go look at one to buy and um, have been really jazzed on it. But now like finding this out and kind of reading more, I, I'm a little torn. I have to say, because 
you know, Steve Kirk, it seems had issues with, you know, not getting credited for designs. And I know that later in life he was hard on his luck. And I just, I feel like I want to honor him in a way to, to be like, okay, well, I should take the time to track down his game. Right. So I'm just today dealing with this like very interesting, um, you know, mental struggle of, okay, well, I love this game and I can totally see how it would be something that he would design because it shares a lot of things. Um, you know, especially like if we're talking about nine ball where, you know, numbers need to be dropped in order and where you have like that interesting locking mechanism and the different stages to get into multi-balls and, man, it's just like, it definitely has some of the Steve Kirk, like Hallmark sorts of things going on in there where I could see that if you said he designed that game. If he didn't outright design it, it has his fingerprints all over it. Like it's highly influenced by his style. Um, but you know, that hap- recycling happened a lot in mm-hmm. pinball. I, I can very much see that, Hey, we have this game. Um, we can't release it as it was designed without giving him credit. So let's reuse the design. Let's tweak it. Let's change it into a not uh, wide body and put it out. Um, so yeah, like, uh, I mean, not, not to backtrack to bad things, but what do you think Stern's going to do with Trudeau's design? They're not going to releasing credit to him. Now it's going to bear someone else's name, right? Maybe we'll just say designed by Stern pinball, but things happen. Maybe an employee moves on. Maybe there's a disagreement. Um, I, I tend to think that, yeah, just given how, when you look at Gamatron, um, it, it, it does seem that that was probably the original design. See, that's really interesting that you bring that up again, not to go backwards into that realm of, of talking. Um, I'm interested to see how much Stern distances themselves from Trudeau considering um, how much people in pinball were working like American pinball to distance themselves from J-pop right. over a financial thing. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how Stern proceeds with a child pornography thing. Yeah, they did put out a great statement um, and they made it, their reaction so far has been good. So continue on with that and we'll be happy. All right. Um, so, okay, back to uh, the very wonderful Mr. Steve Kirk. So, yeah, you alluded to it. Uh, apparently, yeah, he lived out his last year's homeless. Um, but did you read the story about Pinball Expo um, and his signing autographs? Um, across that, I did read. I did read that. I have a couple tabs open, and I. D- don't know which one that is that has it, but I did read it. So I'll let you talk about it. Okay. So, um, this actually, uh, comes from a pin game, uh, journal article. And this article came out after Steve Kirk passed away. So it was just kind of giving stories about him. But, um, this either happened at pinball expo 2000 or 2001. I believe you passed away in 2006, right? Or 2005. It was right around there, but, um, anyway, it, 
he showed up at Pinball Expo, and here's the quote from the article. It says, The minute uh, we walked in, tons of people recognized him instantly and started catching up on old times. At one point, he was asked to sign at the autograph tables. So there he was, signing autographs of back glass artwork and talking to fans of his games, and no one realized at the end of the show, after he was done signing autographs, he'd be going back to the shelter and trying to find a job the next day. Not many people who are homeless get to sign the autographs or have fans tell them how much their work is enjoyed. Yet for that night, Steve got to experience both. So kind of a real bittersweet story there. Um, I, I would have to think that even given his difficult situation, his financial situation, um, being homeless, it's, it, it saddens me that there wasn't anybody to take him in. Um, but to be back in the limelight so many years later and just to see the decades of impact that he's had in people's lives for good, that had to have been pretty uplifting. I, I would have to think. Definitely. Um, yeah, that was hard to read. And again, is one of those things where it's like, I wish that, that I could have been there to like share in that, you know, telling him how important it was and, it's hard to think, you know, that you have someone who's successful in an industry where so many people are so excited to, to, you know, be around them and see them and that he's had such an impact. And then, you know, he walks away from there and it just completely changes. Like his life outside of that is so different. Yeah. Um, the, the thing is, is like today, um, I think the community would have been able to help him. The size of the community, the awareness of the community, um, it's a bummer. He missed it by a few years, you know, um, to have that support. Uh, but, but like I said, there's been such a resurgence in his um, designs and kind of who he was. As you look, there are a lot of people that have said a lot of really good things about him. I, it's it's a real bummer, you know, that just the timing just did not align um, for him to, to see that more than who knows, maybe he was a little bit more aware. Um, I mean, he was aware enough that pinball expo was still going on. He showed up and had that warm reception, but, um, you, you just hope that, uh, he didn't feel like that was kind of like a one night fluke that he understood that, um, his contributions to pinball have been appreciated for a very long time and they continue to be. Totally. Um, there is an article from Playmeter. Yes. Um, that was super interesting. A few things in there kind of stuck out for me. Um, so he was the president of the Pinball Association of America, um, which kind of promoted um, competition in pinball. So started it in, was it 1970, 74? early seventies. And then in 75, they had their first national, um, tournament. So no excuses, uh, to Pinburg uh, organizers anymore about, Oh, we can only have 800 players, uh, because his tournament in 1975 had 1400 players. That is insane. It is yeah. insane. Yeah. Um, so, and then it was also talking about how, um, when he was a kid, he had, um, some heart issues, like a heart condition right. and he, it 
prevented him from kind of going out and being more active and that kind of thing. So how pinball was very meaningful and impactful to him as a child, um, because it was something that he could focus on and that he can do without, um, you know, potentially it being harmful to him health wise. So it was, it's really interesting to see kind of his impressions on the game. Um, if you want to link to the article, it was actually really interesting and it's, it's pretty long, but, um, he, he talks about, um, like the importance of play, um, like how the machine plays. And, um, there was, let me find it. There was a quote where he said, there's, um, a good reason for everything on the board. Um, and he's talking about how it's hard to assess what makes a good game, good and a bad game, bad. Um, and he was talking about how he was really proud of stars because he designed pretty much everything, the board, the circuitry. Um, he like fully built the game. He chose the name. He, um, was involved in the art process. And I'm just like, that's, that's a ton of work, you know, like all sides right now, you have modern pinball, you have, you know, artists, and then you have designers, and then you have programmers. And it seems like there are a lot of different um, people who have their hands in the pot. And it was really cool to read about him kind of being more involved overall in, in all the different aspects of the game. And I think that that definitely goes into making it feel as cohesive as it does yeah um i'll definitely link that stuff because it it goes beyond just being about him it's some pretty cool insights into pinball itself so totally um Um, and then bowen actually sent me an article from the chicago daily herald from 1976 um when Steve Kirk and then um, some players were going to be on NBC's Tomorrow Show with Tom Snyder, and they were going to play um, a match on the show. And um, Steve Kirk really, in a lot of the stuff that I've read and a lot of his quotes that I've read, talked about wanting to um, change the image of pinball because this was definitely like coming at a time when people still had this like stay over impression of it being a game of ill repute sort of thing, um, and a gambling device. And, um, he was talking back then about how he wanted to change the impression of it being a, um, a pure luck kind of game into something with skill. And he said, I anticipate pinball to be the next biggest thing in entertainment. Um, and then he said, my guess is that manufacturers will sell machines to homes someday. So he was thinking forward to home buyers back in 76. That's crazy. Yeah. Cause it was not, that was not a thing. People did not put pinball or arcade machines in their house in the seventies. That just wasn't, that didn't happen. Yeah. Um, it's funny because he was, he was saying like, um, you know, talking about how manufacturers are making like tons more games. And he's like, the trouble is the games caught on so fast that many arcades have become noisy hangouts for teenagers. And oh my gosh, that's exactly how I feel some days. <laughs> I'm just like, why are all these kids here? I feel so old. I just want to go play pinball in my living room. 
And it's like, oh, that's 100% true from 76. Yeah. And then there was the other article that mentioned in 85. He, he did the interview in 1985 where he said that we're going to have um, tournaments that will be networked um, using technology. So that hasn't quite happened yet, but his forward thinking um, is pretty awesome. Because I, I still think that's something that can eventually happen. Definitely. Um, so, okay, speaking of his forward thinking, there's um, there's a blurb about Meteor where it talks about the WoW feature. And um, so Meteor um, added the third coin shoot for the Susan B. Anthony dollar coin. Um, and there's a thing that says um, highlights include... Wow bonus tied to rocket alignment and specials. And it goes on to some other stuff. But then I know we talked about this before and didn't have an answer, but there's another part that says a wow bonus and it has the trademark symbol. So I don't know if he was the first one to use the wow or like how that all tied in. So if anyone knows a little bit more on that either, but it was trademarked um, on the press release or like one sheet for meteor and i don't know yeah i don't know if it was trademarked prior to that and they use it on a bunch of games or if it was a thing that he did and they got trademarked there um and then they were also talking about how it's based on the science fact movie of the same name um and it was coming out in advance of the film so that's kind of a cool thing to see now too with tie-ins movie tie-ins now how it makes a big deal out of them but also doesn't want to they don't want to release things too soon and give anything away from the movie which i think is part of games being super involved now like back then i don't think it would have been as much of an issue yeah um yeah for sure like people out there seriously uh i do want to hear any, any little tidbits you've got, like I, I want those to come in, especially clarification because as I mentioned earlier, there's so much um, floating around is like, well, I heard there's a lot of statements about it that start with I heard or someone once told me um, there's so much of that out there that it, even if that's what you have, I want, I'd like to hear it. But um, I'd like to hear more about the two Steve Kirk's thing, the Kirk post that out there that's got if you if you look at a picture of uh gamatron um the center post between the flippers it says kirk post and it has a tra- trademark post. on it it's so good it's got a trademark that's awesome um i did he invent it yes maybe no or i mean was there was that was just on a lot of his games well yeah, that's the was... stuff in safari thing too the one um the one mentioned said that he like put a post in like by the pop bumpers or something. And I was like, well, that sounds more like him than the sound necessarily um, yeah. would be. Um, oh. the, the IPD version says it was verified that he did make that decision. Um, it says John Norris confirmed and John Norris was the actual designer. Nice. Um, so yeah, that he did put the post in that randomizes the balls exit from the pop bumper area. Oh, he cool. also added the palm trees. Um, Ooh. Good but, I mean, call. Man, I want to go, like, drink tiki drinks with Steve Kirk. Can someone please invent a time machine? In the great tiki bar in the sky, when you pass on, Steve Kirk will be standing there 
Ready to hand you a tiki drink standing next to a stars. So something out of a pineapple. Um, speaking of sound, I did not know that the sound on meteor, like the background sound that kind of builds up apparently is using bits of the movie soundtrack. Right. Yeah. Which is pretty amazing. It's what a very early use of, um, licensing and pinball for, not not the theme, but like the actual presentation part of it. So the the meteor backlash is the movie poster, isn't it? Oh, I don't know that I've ever seen the movie poster. I might I be wrong. To... Dear Google, <laughs> we're both rushing to Google. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it is. We're gonna beat me to it. It's a little bit more stylized on the back glass, but it's the same art. You can buy that poster for $40 from movieposter.com. It looks like there were a few different poster designs, um, but there is one that 100% looks like the back glass. Oh, wow. So the one on, that I just mentioned on movieposter.com is an original. It has some tears and tape on the back. It's been folded, but it's an original from 1979. Go get it. Dang. I should go get it and put it when I have my uh, pinball room. Which my friend Chad is coming over Monday and we are going to have a game plan for getting my pinball room ready. Yay. I'm Um, excited. I don't know if I dug up anything else I haven't mentioned yet. Um, But yeah, like his whole just keep things very straightforward, keep things very simple, but also um, allow for a little bit of randomness. I think it's, it's funny because when you say that, that sounds like pinball. Like pinball seems like, oh, it's pretty straightforward, right? Keep the ball alive, shoot the flashing arrows, um, shoot down the drop targets, and try and survive through the randomness. Mm-hmm. Pinball hasn't been that for a while. It's all about control, shots that return safely to the flippers, flow. Um, but people are starting to fall back on that simplicity. And it's, it's interesting that, um, that, that, that I, we almost tire of the such controlled nature. I don't know. It's, personally, I think the longer you get in pinball, the more appreciation you end up having for these older designs that just have a little bit of randomness, but you still know what you're supposed to be doing almost at all times. So yeah, totally awesome game philosophy. And I would love to see some more of that. Agreed. Like total nuclear annihilation. I think that I think of all the games coming out now, if you took Steve Kirk and said, which one do you want to come play? I think he'd go play TNA. Well, so would I. <laughs> yeah, but I would love if there's if there's anyone listening who um, knew Steve Kirk or had a chance to meet him or has anecdotes or stories or whatever. Like, I would really just love to hear about him personally. And and I think that he's I don't know. I, I feel like he was very visionary, and I feel like his sensibility. Um you know, with games and and thinking about the future of pinball and that sort of thing is something that I um, align with really well. And it 
makes me happy to see that he was doing all of that stuff back then and that he made these games that were um, so important to me as a player and kind of shaped my love of the hobby. Um, and it's really unfortunate that, um, you know, circumstances at the end of his life had him, um, you know, homeless or potentially not getting credit for things that he had made. And um, I would just, I would love to hear everyone's take and favorite Steve Kirk games and, um, you know, moments that you met him or not, or rumors that you heard about games that maybe he had a hand in designing. I, I just want to hear it. I just want to learn about him and celebrate him and, and all the amazing things that he's done for the hobby. And yeah, I appreciate everyone sharing everything that they have already for about sure. him. Um, I actually, I ordered, I found a copy of his pinball book all about pinball um, and I ordered it today, so I'm really excited to get that and read it. Um, and Jeff, you'll sh you mentioned you'll share the links to um, the Play Meter article was like a three part interview series, so it's it's pretty great. It's meaty. <laughs> yeah, it is. Would it you say it's meatier than other oh, articles? I would 100%. It's meaty. <laughs> Only followed by an eye roll and a groan. So. Yeah, yeah, but that's that's amazing. Um, actually, there's one thing we didn't mention. Ooh, that what didn't we mention? It's pretty easy to to find on the on a lot of the games that he either designed or he contributed to. You can find little Easter eggs that contain his initials or just his name outright. But sometimes they're very obvious. Sometimes they're pretty stylized and kind of integrated into the art. So you got to look. But okay, um, but I'm yeah. confused and I need to know. I need answers. So whoever whoever's out there listening who knows about the SK numbering system, um, I am super confused <laughs> because uh, it's like there's all the different SKs and it's like they don't go in order and there's numbers missing. So SK1 is on stars. SK3 is on nine ball. SK5 is on meteor. And then SK9 is on gamatron. And then there was a prototype machine called ramp warrior um, that had SK13. And then the production version of ramp warrior was called truck stop. Um, and that has, um, I did not know this. I read this, um, somewhere earlier it was a website I sent to you like a Canadian website um so on ramp warrior on the prototype the sk13 was on the license plate of the truck that was on the back glass and then on truck stop the production version of ramp warrior the license plate from the truck on ramp warrior is lying on the ground crumpled up on the truck stop back glass which I thought was super interesting yeah to see him give the nod to, oh, this is the one that didn't actually make it, and it turned into this. So I'm going to give my own nod to, hey, I already put my stamp on that one, and here's my stamp on the ground, crumpled up. Um, Start yeah. going over those back glasses and playfields, find more SK or some sort of Easter eggy stuff. But Pat Lawler does a lot of that too. He Easter eggs in the art a lot. Um, but this is where he's actually putting basically it's like credits within the art. So it's cool. Um, go find them. 
Totally. Um, really, yeah, really. Find, find the, yeah, find some rhyme or reason to it for Jessica because she Please. I would love that so much because I love things like that. Oh, I'm actually looking at the Ramp Warriors prototype class right now with the SK-13. And then going to truck stop. It's just, I love that kind of stuff. It, it makes me really happy to see. So, um, oh, now I need to find the, oh, there it is. 100% there is the license plate crumpled on the ground. That's pretty great. Very Ugh. cool. I love it. Thank so, yes. you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> we have a show called Thank You, Steve, but I, that was Steve Kordak when he died. This is this is different. This will be. We I don't know what we're gonna name this episode. See, but I also want to know like how how much influence he had when he designed like a game like Truck Stop. I played it once at the Tacoma show, um, but it was just the one time. Right. Yeah. And it yeah. It's those are the stories that hopefully we can. Uh, scare up here so definitely like there's a whole middle section on that truck stop game that i don't tot- like it's a series of lights and it almost looks like something um similar to how on meteor you're building those rockets for like the wow feature um it has like a grid that almost looks like a bingo card in the center of of truck stop um that i don't know what it is but i would I very much would like to play that game again and kind of know um, how far reaching his design influence was on that game because it was him and two other people. Two others, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, I adore him. I, I mean, Steve Kirk games forever. I will never get rid of those games. They will, will forever be in my collection. And... Yeah. yeah, I appreciate everyone who commented and left information um, and would love to know more about him. So thanks in advance because they're going to come out of the woodwork. Thanks, guys. Yay. <laughs> um, are we out of pinball talk? I think we're done. Let's end on a good thing before we find a bad thing to talk about again. Nah, no more bummers. <laughs> you hear that, pinball? No more bummers. Yeah, let's go bummer-free for a while. Let's try that. Sweet. No more Nazi pop cap, pop bumper cap mods oh, fighting Jesus. about it on Pinside. And <laughs> any of that oh, stuff. Boy. No more bummers. Okay. Cool. Well, that's a show. It's a show. And we did a show. Thanks for listening to the show. You can find us online <laughs> at pinballpodcast.com, on Facebook, and Instagram. You can also email us at pinballpodcast at gmail.com. Yay, pinball. <laughs> Who is that rascal? <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> I think it's Lee. Oh, see, Lee book ended the show. He did. He started with Lee. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, everybody, for making it through with us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a show. Okay, That's we're, it. Done. We're, we're, we're done now. Get off the dang call. For realsies. Okay, bye. No, no okay, bye. <laughs> no, seriously, though. No.